Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs. By which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 123, Letting the Water Hold Me Down. Today's proverb is unattributed. I'll read it twice. No good deed goes unpunished. Once more, no good deed goes unpunished. Here's the thing. Many good deeds go unpunished. This is a very unusual proverb. It's a rare sort of proverb. Most proverbs are true most of the time. If a proverb were to be true all of the time, I don't think it would really be a proverb. It would be scripture, it would be prophecy, it would be a mathematical formula. But proverbs are about life on earth. And the earth is unstable, it's unreliable. Nothing earthly fits perfectly into heaven. Nothing imminent meshes exactly with transcendence. It's often a close fit. It's a tight fit, but it's never perfect. There's always this 1% of the earthly that refuses to conform to the heavenly. Which is one of the reasons why human beings have never completely worked out an entirely accurate, entirely reliable way of keeping time. There's something about our measurements of time that refuse perfect systems. Every sort of way of accounting for time always 
leaves a little slop, a little left over that has to be accounted for somewhere. Proverbs are mostly true because of this. No proverb is true all the time for the same reason that human beings can't come up with a way of keeping track of time that's perfectly reliable. So even something like my favorite example, don't drive drunk, never drive drunk, good rule to live by. Even if we can imagine a few very bizarre scenarios in which driving drunk would be the right thing to do. Proverbs are true most of the time, they're true almost all the time. Having said that, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you've probably heard me say things like, this proverb's true 99.9% of the time, or 98%, or 92%. I do think that there's a point, though, where a proverb is true rarely enough that it doesn't really deserve to be called a proverb. There are proverbs that are true... 74% of the time, there's a lot of exceptions. Those sort of proverbs are odd, and we tend to take them with a grain of salt. Not like, the grass is always greener on the other side. That's true 99.9% of the time. But there are other proverbs that are just mostly true. They're true better than half of the time, but they don't quite rise to that level of ubiquity and universality of something like the grass is always greener on the other side. All that said, today's proverb is weird because while I believe it's a proverb, that it's a description of life on planet Earth, it's a reflection of the human experience, I also think that most good deeds are rewarded, actually. Now, I say that because I'm not interested in debunking today's proverb. I think it's psychologically apt, but explaining it's going to require a very different sort of approach than explaining most proverbs that are true most of the time. Here's the fact, or here's the observation that I think begins unpacking this proverb. Most good deeds are very small. Most good deeds are minuscule. They're good deeds, but the goodness of most good deeds is is tiny. And I mean, good deeds like holding the door for someone. Or the person in front of you at the grocery store has to pay cash, and they're a dollar short, and you have a dollar, and you give it to them. Most good deeds are things like inviting someone over for dinner, inviting a friend over for dinner, a friend who is going to invite you over for dinner next month. Great example of a good deed that is rewarded, studying for class. Studying for class is a good deed. And yet, studying for class is the sort of good deed which almost immediately pays off. If you've got a test on Friday, and you study on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, that studying is going to pay off. It's going to be rewarded. You're going to get something for it. You're going to get an A or a B. And you can trade that up for earthly pleasures later on, grades or money. And so not only is the good deed being rewarded, it's being rewarded and 
one of the most pleasant ways there is with with money. I mean, in not too long, grades can be converted to money. And so the suffering that you undergo when you pay for the food that you serve to someone when they come over, or, uh, you know, the sort of minuscule suffering, almost too small to even notice, where you take three seconds just to hold the door for someone behind you. You do that, even if you hold the door for someone, when they're walking through the door, they're gonna reward you for holding the door open. They're gonna smile at you and say, thank you. That's not punishment. That's a reward. It's someone telling you your good deed was, it was worthwhile. I recognize your goodness. I am rewarding you with smiles and with compliments. Thank you. How very kind. The stranger that you hold the door for is glad for your life and they express that gladness. I'd say of all the thousands of times, tens of thousands of times that I have held the door for someone, it's never been punished. I can't recall any time in my 42 years where I was kicking myself a minute later for holding the door for someone. The sort of good deeds that are rewarded relatively quickly are actually good deeds, I guess, but they don't really require courage or virtue. Like, I'm sure that Hitler held the door for Goebbels a couple times. I'm sure they were hanging out late a few times, drinking tea, and Goebbels would say, would you pass the milk, Adolf? And he would, because he was a decent host. But that's not the kind of good deed that this proverb is about. This proverb is not about most good deeds. It's not about little good deeds. It's not about the little good deeds. The littleness of little good deeds is little because they're immediately rewarded. That's what makes them little good deeds. It's not really that the gesture is small but that the reward is relatively quick. I think that's what makes small good deeds small. This proverb is about acts of great goodness. It's about acts of valor. It's about the courage to stand up to liars and powerful creeps it's about not giving a dollar to someone ahead of you in line at the supermarket. This is a proverb about clearing your wallet out to help someone you don't know. Maybe even someone you don't know who's got an absolutely absurd story about why they need the money. The person in front of you at the grocery store who needs a dollar, you know what the money's for. And if they're a dollar short, you know, if they're five dollars short, come on. You know what it's for. There's a very believable story about why they need five dollars. You can see the story right in front of you. But for the stranger 
who's not telling you, not showing you what they need the money for, to clear out your wallet or to go out of your way to go to an ATM and get money out just to give to a stranger with a ridiculous story that's almost certainly not true. That's the kind of good deed that this proverb is about. It's about the kind of good deeds that you really hope God is paying attention to. It's about the sort of good deeds that you perform not out of concern for society, but out of concern for your soul. That's the kind of good deeds that this one is about. Because little good deeds tend to warrant little good rewards and to do so rather quickly, many people believe that great good deeds will warrant great rewards immediately. But that's not how it works. The little good deeds that you perform, holding a door for someone, inviting someone over for dinner, are not like great good deeds because the greatness of great good deeds is the daring of the virtue. Holding the door for someone is a mild inconvenience. It's not the sort of thing that requires a profound soul. It's a, it's a good thing to do. Maybe it's even the sort of good thing to do where you praise yourself for doing it. Hold the door for someone and think while you're holding the door. Man, I'm a very polite and kind person. I wish more people were like me. But you might also hold the door for someone and not even think about it. It's reflexive. It's not, it's sub-intellectual. It's not even the kind of thing worthy of a second thought. I think that's probably true for most people. But acts of great goodness, acts of great courage, are not the sort of things that we do intuitively. They tend to require, they tend to require us to gin up some courage. We have to, we have to search ourselves for a moment before we decide to do them. Before we say, I guess I am going to hand this person all the money in my wallet. You think about it for a second. You don't have to think about handing a guy 80 cents out of the console between the front seats of your car through the window. Anything helps. And you're like, all right, I got 80 cents for you. You probably don't drive. You might have even, <laughs> you might have been willing to throw that 80 cents away or let it get sucked up by a vacuum when you're cleaning your car. Giving it to somebody out the window might really be more an act of cleaning your car than an act of charity. That is not the way that you open your wallet and pull out four $20 bills, a 10, two fives, and three ones, and hand it to someone and say, God bless you, good luck. 
It's a very different sort of act. Now, this proverb, no good deed goes unpunished, is about the sort of good acts that we hesitate to do because we don't know if we're willing to suffer that way. And if we are willing to suffer that way, we become very self-aware of just how much we've given up and expect to be rewarded. If you hand $98 to a stranger, you're expecting to, let's say, not get a ticket for speeding when you get pulled over two hours later. You immediately make the connection. You expect someone, the universe, God himself or the angels to have been watching and for there to be this reward that comes from it. If you do the sort of good deeds that require self-reflection, I mean require self-reflection first, the sort of good deeds that you're hesitant to perform because they're not intuitive, because they're not simple, because they do entail some kind of suffering, we are expecting rewards. We might not say that out loud. We might not actually put it that way. If somebody's beside you in the front seat of the car and sees you hand 98 bucks out the window, you would never turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to expect something good to happen to me now. But you're probably thinking it somewhere in there. We expect to be rewarded and cherished for our greatest deeds. We tend to become very self-aware. We tend to start thinking of ourselves in terms of fate and karma and the poetic justice of cause and effect as soon as we perform acts of great goodness. We see ourselves as others do or as we think others do or as we think others ought to see us. We see ourselves in this kind of glowing light, the way that we perceive the universe perceiving us. But here's the thing. Great sacrifice, great virtue, tends to upset the world. Great virtue bothers the world. Why? Well, because great virtue exposes vice. And most people want vice hidden. Goodness is light. Light uncovers things that are shrouded in darkness. Great virtue exposes vice. It exposes the vice of people who want it hidden. We want our cowardice hidden. We want our stinginess hidden hidden. We want our selfishness hidden. Any great good deed reveals the lack of good deeds everywhere else. When I was young, I often remember hearing people 
say nasty things about Teresa of Calcutta. I remember Teresa of Calcutta coming up in conversation and hearing people say things like, well, you know, she's doing all that for the wrong reasons. She's trying to uh, earn her salvation. She thinks that she can actually make God happy with what she's doing. It's really the opposite of faith. Good deeds are offensive. Great good deeds are offensive. When someone willingly undergoes suffering out there, when somebody willingly puts their neck on the line, many people will come up with defenses for their unwillingness to do something courageous. It is hardly surprising, says Lady Philosophy, if we are driven by the blasts of storms when our chief aim on this sea of life is to displease wicked men. Now the proverb is, I find that saying of Lady Philosophy is very helpful in interpreting no good deed goes unpunished because the proverb really is no good deed goes unpunished. It's not good deeds entail suffering. The word is punished, which is to say it's personal. Good deeds upset the balance and equilibrium of the world. Why? Because good deeds are unpredictable. We don't expect people to do really wonderful things. That's not what we expect. Genuine goodness, divine goodness is surprising. It's shocking because it's free because it's beyond the reaches of materialist forces which only care about materialist results. The freedom entailed by genuine goodness attracts a lot of attention. This is Job's problem. In living a very good life, the devil noticed him. If Job had lived a life of spiritual mediocrity, the devil would have left him alone. It was his goodness, it was Job's goodness that vexed the devil. That's why Cain killed Abel too. Now there is this blessing in disguise, though, which comes with the punishment of good deeds. It's purgatorial. When we are punished for our good deeds, we remember the real reason for doing good deeds. When we're punished for our good deeds, for our courage, for our self-control, for our sacrifice, we are freed from our delusions about life on earth. When we're punished for our good deeds, God frees us to actually look forward to something beyond this world. There are times when the punishment that comes from good deeds is a blessing, lest we have our rewards now, as the Lord says. You can have your good things now, you can have them later. Your choice. If you have your good things now, you're not getting them later. And there are times when we perform our good deeds and we want to cash them in now. 
But God in his mercy says, no, you're gonna have to wait to cash this one in. Trust me, it's better this way. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.